Eldine Pozniak is world-renowned for her expertise in workplace safety. My first husband was addicted to alcohol mm-hmm. um, and, and was the demise of our marriage. Married to an alcoholic, she was forced to out her husband to keep him and his workplace safe. It, it hurts. You think you're the bad person. And of course, some people are going to believe that you were, yeah. right? She sat with me at the 2024 Saskatchewan Safety Seminar and shared her experiences and some valuable insights around what happens and how we can mitigate risks associated with substance use at work. I think as safety professionals, as people in the workplace, we have to start to really recognize, do people have that kind of pain? What are some of the signs that we can start to look at to say, how can I just put out my hand to help? What's up? I'm Dan, podcaster, retired tradesman, speaker and advocate, and this is Hard Knocks Talks, your addictions podcast. Shout out to the Saskatchewan Safety Council for bringing me to their seminar to deliver a talk about my experiences with addiction in the workplace and to capture valuable conversations like this one with the Queen of Safety, Eldine Posniak. This is Hard Knocks Talks. Eldine, thank you so much for joining me today. This is amazing. It's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about drugs at work, what are some things that come to mind? There's a couple things that pop into my mind, but the first one would be um, medication, right? Because everyone that I know um, pretty well has some type of medication, anything from vitamins to taking medication for blood pressure to, you know, whatever, right? A lot of us seek medical advice and we come to work with something else on board than what we naturally produce. So that's always my my first kind of go-to. And then I start to take a look at okay, then what are those devices? What are people having on board as they come into the workplace or they live their life? And then how does that kind of affect them, either physically or mentally, to be able to do their job? Well, and that can be a a pretty contentious conversation because some people can, like, for example, when marijuana was legalized in Saskatchewan, um, we saw a big problem emerge from that because now it's legal. Oh, well, it's marijuana. I am allowed to use it, right? And people are showing up that are unfit for duty. And the thing is, is that, the legality of the substance has nothing to do with fit for duty. No. And, and, and I think people have always thought fit for duty very narrow in the drugs, right? Yeah. Like in, in drug, drug utilization. And, and I guess just so that everybody kind of understands my, my foundation philosophy is that fit for duty has a whole realm of things like fatigue, whether mm-hmm. I'm sick or not sick. Relationships at relationships, home. Relationships, stress, psychological health in the workplace. Yeah. Car accident or, before work. Totally, yeah. right? Um, as well as, did I have something to drink yesterday or this morning before work? You know, mm-hmm. am I taking something that's legal or illegal? Mm-hmm. What are the medications that i Was there poppy seeds on? on my hamburger bun? Right, yeah. <laughs> like all those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so... So fit for work is really quite broad when we look at it. But yeah, medication, drugs, legal or illegal, definitely affect our ability to to do our work. Mm-hmm. And so we have to know what people are ha- what they have, what they're using, and if, is it a safety sensitive job? It is, is what it a they decision sensitive job. Decision sensitive job. Yeah. And how is that affecting either for the better or for the worse? Mm-hmm those positions, those decisions, those activities, and putting themselves or other people in harm's way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess I look at it because I've got, I've got a couple personal stories to, to share. 
I, I guess, means. you know, right. Um, I, I look at it as my, um, uh, my first husband was addicted to alcohol, mm-hmm. um, and, and was the demise of our, our, our marriage. Right. Um, but he used to drink on the way home from work. And I used to think that that was the only time he drank. But then I started to realize that he was finding ways to have alcohol before work at work. Mm-hmm. And being in a safety-sensitive position in a high-hazard industry, that put himself and other people at danger, mm-hmm. right? And and so that was a part of my social relationship to say, okay, I, I'm going to let him hit rock bottom by me leaving, and then things will get better. Mm-hmm. It didn't, right? And his addiction went even, even further, and now he lives in a group home and hardly sees family and friends. So yeah. I saw how it negatively impacted him as an individual, as an organization, the things that he had to go through at work, um, you know, and the potential that it had, mm-hmm. right? So that, that was one where... You know, if we could have gotten treatment different or if intervention was different or, you know, you always, as being yeah. a partner yeah. in that kind of relationship, you always think what could have been different yeah. that would have changed that situation, yeah. right? Yeah. So that definitely affected my outlook on how people come to work and you sometimes don't know who they really are and, yeah. and, and what's affecting in their workplace uh-huh. and, and the conversations that they, that he needed to have with his supervisor, with his coworkers that I was letting them in on what was happening so that they could intervene. They didn't have a lot of comfort of having those conversations. So you, you ratted him out. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Tell me about that. Uh, Tell me. Um, it, and it was hard. Yeah. But, did you did you consult anyone? Did you reach out to like, how do I do this? Or was it just like, this has to happen? I mean, you yeah. have expertise in safety already. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. perhaps you didn't need yeah. to reach out, but. Yeah. So uh, I went through, I went through his friends at work, right? It was in a unionized work environment. So I used the union to help protect him so that he could get the treatment that he hopefully would agree to, which Mm -hmm. he didn't. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, I had a conversation with some of his, um, union peers, some of his friends at work and said, we have to do something. We have to intervene. This is why I left something bad's going to happen to him or to at work or, you know, and none of us want that. Mm -hmm. So then they started to work through the work environment to get him on a medical leave, basically. So he Mm -hmm. did a medical retirement, uh, went on uh, a full disability. Uh Um, And so uh, that's how that problem Uh or that issue at work was solved. Now, he still was dependent. He still, you know, made choices in life to where he wanted to be, mm-hmm. um, and, and didn't seek any further treatment. Mm. So, you know, to me, that's a sad ending. His work lost out on a great mechanic yeah. on a wonderful man. Life yeah. lost out on a wonderful man. Um, so when I look and I think about drugs, mm-hmm. definitely it started as prescription. It started at supplementing with alcohol because of both psychological and physical pain. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think as safety professionals, as people in the workplace, we have to start to really recognize, do people have that kind of pain? What are some of the signs that we can start to look at to say, how can I just put out my hand to help? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it might be a peer to peer conversation. Mm -hmm. It might be through an EFAP program. It might be family members. But 
people who are in those situations, family members like myself, we have to have options. So yeah, did I, uh, you know, I have a, a great uh, psychologist that I often talk to, both personally and uh, professionally. We've done some work together in yeah. different workplaces. So you know, got his ear and said, "What do you think I should be doing? What what shouldn't I do?" But as a safety professional and as a as a mother, as a as a yeah. I, well, I, as I, a human, as a, I, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't let a decision or an action that he was going to make affect other people's life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it, 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 it's to me, he was driving drunk. I well, was giving him the keys to the car every day and saying, it's okay, go to work. Yeah. Knowing. Knowing. Yeah. And, and then I knew I couldn't live with that if something happened. You know, and, and that goes far beyond the workplace. I mean, it, when there's a, a, a critical incident in a workplace, someone loses their life at a workplace, that, that ripples out far into the community and, and, and beyond. You know? yeah. So um, these, these decisions, there seems to be a, a separation between uh, community-facing uh, community conversations and workplace-facing conversations. Yeah. Have yeah. you noticed that? Well, definitely, right? Because often community-facing conversations, you feel a little safer, right? Because there's hopefully that support group and, and how do you bring that to, to be. Mm. At work, it's scary yeah. because if you're all of a sudden found to be unfit for work, yeah. that can be a fireable offense. Yeah. That can drive someone deeper into whatever they are into yeah. because they don't have either the coping mechanisms or things are going in life or, or yeah. whatever, that addiction, that medical disability that's there, that's, that the situation is. So they want, so it's so much scarier to have that conversation because yeah. we don't have the trust to where it's going to go. Well, and, and your, your, your livelihood's at stake, your, your family security's at stake, Yes, you know, your, your home, your food, your, all of this and, and, and the, the nature of, of substance use disorder seems to be in segregation, separate, you're apart from, you're different, you're yes. bad, you're the shame, you know? Yeah. And then that's going to just shame you all the more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't and, tell anyone bad yeah. things will happen. Yeah. yeah. So, so it increases the fear in yeah. not only the individual to be able to come forward and say, I need help, or this might be my situation, but in the people that are around them, both at work and at home mm -hmm. to help support them. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was one of the experiences that really shaped my life. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and still tugs really deep at my heart because mm -hmm. I loved the man for 26 years of marriage. Right. Like yeah. and, and I wanted to make it work. And and, you know, th there wasn't anything that we were doing at home or through that was working intervention wise, going to therapy, all those kinds of things. So there was so it had to be steps taken. There was steps taken. Yeah. You know, we had conversations. We went to therapy. You know, we talked about it. He tried. He'd be good for a while and then he would relapse back into and be able to hide things even better. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so um, so there was steps taken. It it wasn't just I woke up one morning and oh you're drunk at work, I'm calling work. Right? Yeah, like yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. it was, you know it was we, just like we supported <sighs> It was years. It was years of a journey. Here's a question. Now, when you made that decision and you made that phone call and that relationship ended, in a way, did a weight come off or did a weight go on? Both, right? Because there was at times it was like, okay, at least now some, there's more people hopefully in my corner that's helping this out. Yeah. I've tried as best that I could yeah. and I just can't do it anymore. Hopefully someone will carry this on mm -hmm. and then there was still a wait because what if they don't what if yeah. this doesn't work yeah. what if something goes wrong did what you if, feel guilt yep yeah you know because cause again when you're in those kinds of relationships sometimes you are an enabler 
Sometimes you are a part of this situation. Mm -hmm. And so then you think, you know, I've now outstepped this. Maybe I'm misreading it. Is it as bad as it it is, right? Yeah, did I just ruin his life? I just ruined his life. I just, you know, because he definitely said I did. Right. I'm sure. I told everybody that I did. And, and he knew that and, you, he and, knew and, that you told everyone? Well, he yeah, he, yeah. you know, he knew that I had told his friends. They tried to have an intervention with him. He knew that that's why I was leaving him and, you know, of course I was a liar and of course mm-hmm. I, you know all these things. So again, it it hurts. You think you're the bad person and of course some people are going to believe that you were, mm-hmm. right? And, and and I guess I look at that situation and and then I grew. And then all of a sudden I was in other situations with it. As I started to intervene with people that had more substance abuse or were using medical health remedies prescribed by their doctors that could put them in a situation, right? Opiates for pain from a car accident yeah, yeah. 10 years ago. or yeah. I mean, um, even methadone or suboxone from, you know, things like that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I even take a look at um, lithium. A lot of the antidepressants make yeah. you think different. Yeah. Not, not saying that that's bad, but y- your cognitive abilities change from what yeah. they had before. Yeah. Some to the good. And for some people, when they're trying out medications for antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs, they try out three or four before they find one that works for them. Yeah. So yeah. what happens in that period before that? So I become much more understanding and supportive in the work environments. Yeah. So in really trying to encourage and train supervisors and other safety professionals not to be so judgmental or so harsh. Let's find out the whys. Let's mm-hmm. find out how we can help the, the situation. Do we have the right system at work through claims or disability management or, or accommodation modification that mm-hmm. we can support these individuals um, these groups of individuals so that they can still come back and function at work the way they need to. Mm -hmm. Or if it isn't, if it's a cause of some of the anxiety, if it is a cause of, of why some people are going in this direction, then we need to deal with that. We need to deal with that. Yeah. And then, um, so then life happens. And yeah. then I get another story because that's what you do on your epic grand adventures. Yeah. So epic grand yeah, adventures. That's my life. Is it? It's a. It's Wonderful. A, it is a journey of epic grand adventures. So I marry a health and safety professional. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, my second husband um, was the head of. Um, security, safety, and health at Valley Metro in Phoenix. So he was uh, um, a safety professional, and he got terminal cancer, um, and. But he he was amazing safety professional. Loved uh, industrial hygiene. I didn't like industrial hygiene. We were the perfect pair. Didn't grind right? for me either. <laughs> when I went through my safety certificate program, that was kind of down, down here. There. Organizational behavior, yeah. disability management, that was up here. I loved that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. risk management even. Yeah. So so he said if he wanted to ever get me to fall asleep, he would just start talking industrial hygiene and I would <laughs> yawn. So so again, perfect pair. Yeah. Um. So he got treated at one of the best facilities in the world since he was in phoenix we went to mayo yeah and they were wonderful and they said you have terminal cancer this is going to hurt on the journey and so they looked at a lot of alternative medications and so part of his chemo and radiation was they said we want to get you on medical marijuana because it's going to help you have an appetite so yeah. you're not going to lose weight. It's going to help you um, with the pain so that if you start taking that versus the opioids to handle the pain too quickly, by the time it comes to end times, they don't work anymore. Your mind's gone. They mess you up, but you still hurt. So they said a lot of our research is saying that if you're on certain strains of cannabis products, it will help with 
the depression. It'll help with um, some of the mood swings, eating, pain, right? But he's a safety professional. He has to go to work. Safety-sensitive yeah. job. Yeah. Decision-sensitive job. Yeah. He has to drive a vehicle. If there's an accident, he's supposed to drive a vehicle there. Yeah. So then how do you balance that all out? So it was one of those things that we had to sit down and say, is it time to become medically retired? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or can I we mean, work with, with work to become accommodated? That, that, that medical retirement, <laughs> to me, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> It is. It is terrible. Like it, you, it, it, you go home, and I was talking to a gentleman here yesterday, and he was saying, like, man, we have an accident on our job site or whatever, and like the the, the employee is just sent home, and they're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so go and isolate and not talk about it, and and what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Like that is dangerous oh, for yeah. some people. And people, it just it starts to stew. Yeah. It starts to stew. Yeah. So we had a great conversation with his work environment, and they found a way to accommodate, so that he had a driver. Mm-hmm. He um, still was able to, you know, function with the right decisions that he was making because it wasn't like he was in a corner, like slumped over eating Doritos. Like it wasn't, <laughs> like it wasn't to the point where he's ordering yeah. pizza every five minutes, right? Like yeah. he, it, it was a controlled amount. Yeah, you know, it definitely people wouldn't know it by talking to him. They, yeah. they, they didn't, right? Well, and in in time, when you develop a, a, a tolerance, I guess so to speak. Yeah. I mean, the even even your reaction times. There's there's uh, research around it where even your reaction times aren't diminished really once your body has acclimated to it yeah. well and uh, to me he was definitely more of a danger when he was on some of his cancer treatment drugs yeah. the chemo that he had yeah. it changed his mood it changed his thinking it changed his physical reaction but he could go to work on on those chemo drugs yeah right so we really need to look as a society and as a workplace and really look at mm-hmm medical non-medical legal illegal what are really the true effects of what we have and then what are what are we what situation are we putting people in mm-hmm. into and can we accommodate can we modify in such a way that people can still be contributive people in our society mm-hmm. and deal what they need to deal with medically and be safe yeah and then if it's not medical and it's causing harm to the individual and to the workplace and people aren't fit, how do we creatively and appropriately deal with that mm-hmm. so that people can live their best epic grand adventures in life yeah. and be the best people that they can be, yeah. right? So so when, when you say drugs, Eldine, what when I say drugs, what does it mean to you? Yeah. But the little squirrel in the cage in my head yeah. goes in so many different directions because yeah. my life experience says we've got people who are using and, and abusing, right? Like they're in a situation that yeah. we have to help them deal with in they a workplace. They have a toxic relationship. They have a toxic relationship with, with life and with some type of substance. Mm-hmm. And then we have a group of people that need some of these things to mm-hmm. stay alive, mm-hmm. to be functioning adults within our work environments. Mm-hmm. How are we going to balance those effects of the positive and negative of the drugs in people's lives mm-hmm. so that we can keep them safe mm-hmm. and we can keep them in the workplace, mm-hmm. right? This is a huge topic. And I just so appreciate that you're bringing these conversations mm-hmm. to the community to mm. the workplace because we have to have them we can't keep them under a rock anymore yeah let's talk a little bit about um the the other side of this uh being 
in a workplace uh, and you were in a relationship where you were on the outside of it, um, approaching it uncomfortable, right? Um, uh, it would it would very likely there were times where you weren't fit for duty and you weren't even the one using the substances. Because I was stressed out about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So when, when we're talking about um, addressing these challenges in the workplace, now um, I have a story. Uh, and it's about being reprimanded while I was lost in addiction and uh, the foreman came in uh, and was a part of this meeting and it was the plant manager that was really tying into me and talking about all of my shortcomings and the things that I need to improve on and he was just being very forward <laughs> about it. Um, not, not mentioning the substance use, which was clearly a problem at this point. But when we left that meeting, my foreman was white in the face. He was like, are you Okay. Like, do you need to go? And he wasn't okay. I was like, this is the day in the life for me at this point. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, this right. is normal. Yeah. Like, I'm okay. I'm going to go back to work <laughs> and try to not do this stuff anymore. You know, but, it, but what, I'm, what I'm getting at is from the outside looking in, what are some ways that we can better educate people on how to think about this when it is them that's going to walk across the floor and say, piss in this cup? Yeah. Um, I really... in. I'm really pleased that our province, as well as all of Canada, is really taking a harder look at psychological, psychologically safe work environments. I had Jody Samra on my show very <sighs> early on. Excellent. Very yes. early on. She is like a major champion for this. She, yeah. to me, is the, one of the Canadian leaders yeah. on this on this topic. I think giving people in the workplace the tools to have the conversation, right? Because most of us, you know, leave your home at home. Come to work, do your work. It's not that easy. I, 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 yeah. It's, I, not, it's silly to even really... But that was the expectation, yeah. especially in my generation. I don't think it's so much in the generations now because yeah. we realize you can't separate it. You, yeah. you know, you, you are the person wherever you are, yeah. right? And, and, and that's just how it is. Um, you are that person. I think that if we give people more tools to be comfortable, right? Because I, I've always worked in hard industry where a lot of the substance abuse can be, right? Yeah. Um, in mining, construction, right? Like that's why we have the dogs and the tests and all that kind of stuff. And and you talk to a supervisor, a peer, a committee member, and it's, oh, if, you, you know, if you're going to make me do this fuzzy woo-woo stuff, you know, I'm not going to be comfortable, Eldine. I don't want to have these conversations. Their personal life is their personal life. I'll talk about work, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to talk about anything else. So I think we have to give them tools in their toolbox. How did they become a supervisor? How did they become How one of those rapport. leads? Rapport is like up there. It is up there. <laughs> if we're going to have pe more people self-disclose before something bad happens, rapport is like, I would say, near top of the list. Would yeah. you agree? Oh, for sure. And But a lot of these people get hired into the jobs because they were a good worker. They were good at their job. They were good at, right? Yeah. And, and there's no support. Or at least they presented well. well yeah, yeah, right? Like, they got the job done, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but they may not have people skills. They may not have, you know, people call them the soft skills. I call them the hard skills because it's that's, interacting that's, with individuals. It is the hard part for most, and especially in a male-dominated uh, industry where where that stigma still is and it's softening i ha but it's still there yeah you know don't feel don't talk yeah be a man so a couple of the programs that are happening in the uk or australia like mates for construction and they are 
putting out information and they're making it the norm to be able to have a conversation. There's mm -hmm. a new video that I just watched out of um, a Victoria WorkSafe out of Australia that has, you know, two big burly construction workers, one guy, you know, sitting down at the table and a young worker comes over to him and says, hey, you know, how's it going? And in the guy's head, he's like, I'm drinking too much. My wife's left me. My, You know, all these social problems. And mm -hmm. when he turns and he looks at the guy, he goes, I'm co I'm okay. Right. Yeah. And the guy goes, you know what? I don't think you're okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't like what I, you know, I'm feeling that something's yeah. going on with you. So, Hey, how about you come and play rugby with us on the weekend? Or so it's starting to say, number one, it's natural to have these conversations. It's okay to have these conversations. It's, it's okay to ask outside the workplace. Hey, come play rugby. Okay. Now we're not wearing hard hats anymore. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then maybe we can help you. So mm -hmm. we need to do it on that peer to peer level mates in construction. You can come and talk to me. I can come and say, Hey, are you okay? Cause I've been noticing some changes lately. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing these things. And then we got, then we also have to build it on a supervisor foreman management level. How do we have these conversations? But how do we have them in a safe way that doesn't go right away into fear-based termination? Yeah. That means we need to have safety management system components in place yeah. that are supportive, yeah. that, that protect the individual, but also protect the organization, right? They can't be one-sided. It has to serve purposes for everyone. But then that's why we need to have good EFAP programs. We need to have um, good communication. So, so yeah, peer to peer, mm -hmm. make it safe, make it okay. Mm -hmm. Give supervisors, managers some skills. Mm -hmm. So why couldn't we have, just like in uh, guarding minds or mental health first aid, we should be throwing in scenarios that aren't just about depression and suicide, but could be around drug use, mm -hmm. could be around alcoholism, be around could be around relationships. relationships. Relationships is so important. It's at the root of so much of what's going yes. on in our society. Yeah. Today. Yeah. yeah. And, and even with relationships, what's the underpinning fear yeah it's fear yeah when people have fear in well, their life and, they'll and fear, go in many directions fear is a secondary emotion mm -hmm. it's not it's not at the base no. at the root it is it is above something else yeah and what's that something else a billion things <laughs> could be anything but enlighten me you yeah. have something to say yeah. here oh no because definitely i often like when people are angry and they act out in a work environment why are they angry it's usually because they're fearful of something. Yeah. And and that fear is of some type of loss. Is it respect? Is it of family? Is it of a relationship? Is it of um, face? Is it of, right? There's, it's always, I'm there. there's a loss. A People loss. think that they're going to be, a, there's a loss somewhere. A threat. A threat, right? Mm -hmm. Creates the fear, creates the acting out. It creates the coping mechanism. It creates all those things. Mm -hmm. So if we can start to, in our workplace, educate individuals on it's okay to be fearful. It's okay to be, here's some areas or some support that you can go into. It's okay to come forward and say, I'm in a red mental health state and I may have overdrank yesterday and I might even still be drunk today, supervisor. I, but I have no more sick days. And so I'm, I show up at work, but I, I don't know what to do. And that they can sit down and have a conversation with you and support you so that you don't get your butt handed to you, you know, or that you're, that you're shamed or blamed or guilted, mm -hmm. but that it can be supportive, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or that I can come and say, I have terminal cancer or I have depression and I'm using this type of medication and it is... right. I'm taking over-the-counter contact C, and it says do not operate heavy equipment while doing this allergy medication. Yeah, yeah. 
it's hay fever season. Guess what? This is me right now. Right? Like that, that, that's, it can be that simple mm-hmm. or it can be that difficult of the stories that we've been sharing. I mean, that would be very challenging for an employer to, I mean, I, maybe, and that's just an example that you're using, you know, yeah. but it does say that on it that does. box. It you does. Know? So, be- because, because so what's it an does employer affect. to do then? You know, like you're, you're running a farm. Okay, <laughs> your your tractor or your combine operator shows up and says, "I'm taking contact C. I can't work today." You <laughs> yeah. know, like what do you do with that? Yeah, you know that you got You have to have backup plans. Yeah. You have to then take a look at and say, "Well, maybe it's alternatives. Maybe he's not, you know, driving the three million dollar combine today yeah. with these kinds of things because it is kind of decision orientated. Maybe it's these tasks, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, it puts an employer in a pickle." Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had the conversation. But so does to a critical say, incident. So does a critical incident. Yeah. So does that is that guy, you know, jumping off of it, because we used to do this in farming, right? Just turn it on real low in first, jump off, pull some stuff out, jump back on the combine. Yeah, you never did that. Right. <laughs> That's probably why I'm in safety now, right? Yeah. Is because I saw that we but, but those, lived those, experience. Yeah, we've lived yes. some experiences, and so you know. Then if I'm groggy and I've done that a thousand times before, but I'm all hopped up on allergy medication, right? Never mind anything else on allergy medication. How much easier is it for me to slip off of it when it's running and get run over? How much easier is it for me to put my hand some one more run spot? Over by a combine is no joke, right? Yeah, yeah. But we haven't had these conversations, so employers have haven't even had the chance to really go beyond oh that's a that's a bad situation i wouldn't even want to deal with that because what am i supposed to do yeah you got to ask the question well then what are you going to do and have a plan so again this is why it's important that we have these conversations otherwise we keep just putting it under the rug and saying well i hope i never have to run into that and then the guy who's taken all the antihistamines or drank too much the night before or is on some type of medication for their health isn't going to say anything because he doesn't want to put his employer in a predicament and he doesn't want to lose his job. Because if you can't run it today, well, I don't have any use for you. Yeah. Well, and the employer is at a potential for losing a lot of time and money. Yes. Right. So they need to have a backup plan. And there is plans. There's people out there that can help put those plans together. That's some of what I do. That's some of what our family members and friends and the people at the Saskatchewan Safety Seminar here. This is what we do right is we help help put those plans together mm-hmm. help organizations get educated on having these conversations and putting those systems together that's dr jody's livelihood right yeah, like yeah. that's her passion is putting those kinds of things together for uh for for those people Saskatchewan Workers Compensation has been working so hard with a lot of the freeware on psychological um, workplace aspects yeah. that that it's helping us have those conversations and put How things in place. How can we do place. better? Oh, man. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I just no, got, no, like, no. How can we do better? Yeah, you know, yeah. because I mean, for me personally, this is this is where I want to go. You know, I want to use my lived experience. Of course, I want to continue building our platform, but it's it's building it for conversations like this. Yeah. But also, I mean, you even brought some impactful stories to the conversation. And the power of story, I mean, it has the power to save lives. Yes. It honestly does. So how can we yeah. integrate these impactful stories into that information? I, I think that um, HR... Um, employers, they have to start to be looking at people like yourself, like myself, others, to bring the story into the work environment, Mm -hmm. to start to take a look at what 
systems they have in place, how they can improve. Mm-hmm. I, I think that employers need to be looking at the resources that workers' compensation has mm-hmm. been putting out there and starting to grab some of those and looking at how they can put it in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, University of Fredericton has an advanced psychological workplace uh, certificate program that Dr. Jody and yep. uh, uh, Rakesh uh, had put together. Anyway amazing program mm-hmm. that if you're in a position like safety a committee a wellness mm-hmm. champion at work Man, okay, you can even, take even and, to help implement right and, and and something that i and that i'm seeing and even in our conversation today and you and you do mention it and that and that's wonder but decision sensitive and the reason i keep saying that is because uh my wife's experience uh donna she was uh, a legal assistant for many years, mm-hmm. and, and in the end, uh, we were both heavily addicted to fentanyl. We were using opioids daily, several times a day, and she was going to work as a legal assistant. There's some decision-sensitive problems there. She was nodding out at her desk. Like, there's one story that I like to tell, and it's, 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 it's funny now, but at the time, you know, she would take a sip of her coffee, and she would nod out before she swallowed it, and it would dribble down her, you know, like at work, at her desk. Yep. You know, and, and she's dealing with people's lives, like in family yeah. court and in criminal, like, like holy cow. Yeah. So there's a lot of value in, in having that conversation as well. Yeah. You know, just because and, we're not wearing hard hats doesn't mean that we don't need to be safe. And, and, and that's been the focus, right, is the safety sensitive jobs, because mm-hmm. it does mean, you know, death in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a great place to start the conversation, but we do have to continue it on to two other areas. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not just hard industry. It's not just a hard hat. Hazard. Mm-hmm. It can be the decision-sensitive positions that are there, um, but we've got to start the conversation somewhere. And, yeah. and I, to me, this is a great forum. Thank yeah. you for doing this because it does get the conversation going. Yeah. So have a conversation, increase the knowledge and awareness, mm-hmm. and then we start to build into take action. Take action. Getting people, you know, in education we call it a Bloom's taxonomy, right? Is it is it's a staggered you go from general awareness and knowledge to what we call creative mastery. Mm. That means that you can work it and deal with it and understand it. Yeah. Well, and right now, it. yeah, right now on this topic, we're we're in the awareness and building skills level. Yeah. Right? And we have been for some time. Yeah. But I hate to say it, but in the safety world, why do we need to have a catastrophic event to take us to the next level? It's all written in blood. Oh, All right. of it. I look at the Humboldt bus crash. Yes. It's a perfect example of taking trucking safety to that next level. Do we have to have something in this realm happen that is just, but that, but we've had, we've had, oh my goodness, we've just shared stories of situations that could have been, and we probably know of stories where it has been horrific. Mm-hmm. So how do we get that out? We have to make... As advocates, we have to make our messages stickier. We have to keep talking. We have to get people's attention. We have to keep it. We have to put the information in such a way that people understand it, can take it in, can apply it, and that we call them to action. This is a part of what Saskatchewan Safety Council, Workers' Compensation, you, me, the people that are at this conference. We're advocates that need to have a conversation in such a way that it keeps building that. Yeah. That's that's where we need to, you know, keep going in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me, Aldine. This oh. was a wonderful conversation. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. It, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to, to have this courageous conversation. Um, I was born here in Saskatchewan, raised here in Saskatchewan. I work here in Saskatchewan. It's such a privilege to be able to um, be on Treaty 6 land, 
taking what has come before us, what mm-hmm. we're doing now, and to create a better future together. So thank you so much for uh, giving me that opportunity to be with here, you here today. Okay, that's it. Thanks again to the Saskatchewan Safety Council for bringing me to their seminar to foster conversations like this. If you're interested in fostering conversations about substance use at your event or within your organization, reach out to me, Daniel, at hardknockstalks.com. That's all I got for you this one. Thanks so much. Take care.